the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity? Or is there a real God and where is he when I'm really suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every day on this program. In these challenging times, we believe that God's word is the source to all our answers. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message for us today. Good morning. I want to talk to you today about the fact if you anchor yourself to the Word of God that evangelism will become your burden. And the reason for that is as you read through the Bible, something happens to you. You start to care about the things that God cares about. You start to become burdened about the things that God is burdened about. I want you to take your Bible and raise it if you have it turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to begin with verse 9. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Skip all the way down to verse 13. It says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe that, say amen. amen. How then, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Amen. They can't. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Amen. They can't. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They can't. And how can they preach unless they're sent? They can't. And here's the statement. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. My question to you today is are your feet beautiful. Not in the physical cosmetic sense, but in the spiritual evangelism sense. I want you to think back the last seven days. Were you actively involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? I'm going to show you today as we read, as we journal, as we preach through the Word of God, four things you will see. Number one, write this down. If you just start reading the Bible, you will see what's called the curse. We looked a little bit last week at Genesis 3, the story of creation. God placed the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect paradise. God said to stay away from the one tree. 
in the middle of the garden. And really, it was a story of how quickly Adam and Eve sinned. And therefore, sin was ushered into the world. And by the time we got to Genesis 6, the Bible says that God had grieved that he had even made us because every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And it is not a stretch to think that we're getting right back to that same level and degree of sin in our world today. And it's really no wonder because the Bible says in Romans 3, verse 23, that all have sinned. We've all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We live in a fallen world. We're all sinful. The psalmist, he was thinking back to when he started sinning. And he says, surely I've I've been sinful. This is Psalm 51. I was sinful. Let me think about it. When did I start? At birth. I've been sinful. In fact, let's back this thing up. I've been sinful since the moment my mother conceived me. We all have a sin problem. Romans 3.10 says, none who are righteous. There are none who are righteous. No, not one. And what you need to understand as you read through the Bible, that we are cursed with sin and, and death. Sin is what sends somebody to hell. Sin is what separates us from an eternal God. And, and it, it does sound like, oh no, but I love Ephesians 1 verse 7 that says, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, which leads us to the second thing that you see. You see the Christ. Write that down. You see Christ. You have, in your Bible, you have two Testaments. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. The Old Testament is made up of 39 books. The New is 27. Collectively, there's 66 books in the Bible. But the Old is 39. And those 39 books, they all say, one thing he's coming he's coming he's coming 39 times 39 books he's coming he's coming he's coming and by the time you get to the new testament it's he's here that's what the new testament is he's arrived and so if you look at the first four books of the new testament they're called the gospels and they're going to be three things that stand out as you read through those four books number one write this down you're going to see Jesus close up. You're going to read about his birth, his baptism, his temptations, his parables, his teachings, his sermons, his healings, his miracles, his prayers, his holiness, his sinlessness, his innocence, his divinity, his sovereignty, and you will learn about the Trinity. Just read through Matthew, read through Mark, read through Luke, read through John. You're going to see Jesus up close and personal. In fact, the very last verse, this is the last verse of those four books. John 21, 25 says, that Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for all the books that would be written, just about all the stuff that Jesus did. If you want to get to know Jesus, read the four Gospels. The second thing you'll find about Christ is you're going to find out his calling, his purpose, why he was here. Why did God send Jesus into the world? Luke 19, verse 10, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. How, how did Jesus go about reaching the lost? What was his methodology? And the first thing that we see is what's called the discipling of the 12. The Bible says in Luke 6, verse 13, that when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose how many? He chose 12. Jesus poured his life 24-7 for three and a half years He pours his life 
into these 12 men because he understands that one day he's going to go to the cross, he's going to die, he's going to be buried, he's going to ascend and go back to heaven, and he's going to leave the ministry in the hands of these 12 men. So it's called discipleship. He disciples these 12 guys for three and a half years. That's one of the things that he does. The second thing that he does is he sends out the 72. Now, this is different than the 12. He's discipling the 12, but he sends out the 72. Who are these guys? Well, the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 that the Lord appointed 72 other guys that he sends out. And Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he told these 72 guys that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And verse 3 of that text, Jesus actually says this word. It's the word go. Jesus says go in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. But the third thing that he does is he speaks to the masses, to the large crowds. The Bible tells us that there were large crowds that were traveling, not just crowds, but large crowds. Jesus is turning to the large crowd, and he's preaching, and he's, he's laying it on the line, and he's telling them, what they have to do to become a Christian, that they must be willing to give up everything. We would call that today mass evangelism is what we would call that. And all I want you to see is that Jesus had all these different methods. He would disciple the 12. He sends out the evangelistic teams, or we might call those almost like mission, mission work. But he's also speaking to the masses. But number four, write this down. He also takes time to reach people on a one-on-one basis. We would call that one-on-one evangelism. I want you to see that he does all four of these. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 19. As you read through this, you actually understand, and if you read it in context, all four methodologies are being used. Because wherever he goes, the 12 are with him. He's already sent out the 72. They're out doing the evangelistic work. And as he's traveling through Jericho, he's got huge crowds traveling with him. So he's got all three of those. And yet he still takes time for one. Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of, what was his name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the what? because of a large crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Oh, I love this story. Verse 5. It says Jesus reached the spot and he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Look at verse 7. When all the people saw this, they began to do what? You'd think they'd be excited that Jesus was going to win this guy to the faith, but they're all muttering, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. And then Jesus said these words in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And here's that verse again in verse 11. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all I want you to know is you read through the Bible. You read through the Bible. 
you will eventually be introduced to Jesus Christ. And you're going to meet him up close and personal. You're going to find out what his calling was. The reason why he came was to seek and to save that which was lost. He used all kinds of methods. He discipled the 12. He sends out the 72. He meets with large masses of people, but he also meets with people on a one-on-one basis. He uses any and all methods. And the third thing I want you to write down there is the word Calvary. You're going to see eventually Jesus go to the cross and he's going to die. Matthew 27, let's start with verse 26 and we'll just read, we'll read a lot of this. It says that Pilate releases Barabbas, but he had Jesus what? Flogged and handed him over to be crucified. That's verse 26, Matthew 27, 26. Now look at verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. And they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. And they twisted together a crown of thorns. And they set it on his head. And they put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and they mocked him. Hell, king of the Jews, they said. And they spit on him and they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. It says after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and they put his own clothes on him and then they led him away to crucify him. Skip over to verse 38. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Skip down to verse 45. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. My friends, you read through the Word of God, and you're going to see up close right in your face that we are living under the curse of sin and death but then you're going to see god send the cure which is jesus christ and eventually jesus will go to the cross and he will die on calvary and everything that he does on the cross the suffering the agony the mocking the nails through his hands and his feet the shedding of his blood he went through all of that for one reason to reach the lost he cares about the lost He wants to reach lost people. He wants to reach you. He wants to reach me. He wants to reach those who are locked into sin. God sent his one and only son to redeem mankind, to redeem you and I. That's what you see when you read through the word of God.
And the third thing is the commission. You see the curse, you see Christ, and the third thing is you see Christ's commission. And Matthew tells us that right before he ascends, that he gathered his followers and he told them these words. He said to go. Everyone say go. There's that word again. He just wants you to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you teach them to obey. And as you read through the Bible and you see those instructions, you realize, hey, that's not the pastor's job. No, you realize it's all of our jobs. Because right now, there are millions in this city and there are billions of people around the world right now who do not know Jesus Christ. And as you read through the the Bible, you start to see that the world in which we live is lost and doomed and damned because of sin. And then you read about how Christ is the solution that that he came to seek and to save the lost, to redeem mankind, that eventually he goes to the cross and he dies and he sheds his blood for the sins of the world. And then we read how he's called us to pick up the torch and to take the gospel and to go. You might have walked in here today unengaged. You might have walked in here today and, and you're not, you can't, there's not one ministry in the church. We have hundreds of ministries here at the church. You might have walked in here today and realized, hey, I'm not involved in any ministry at the church. You might have walked in here today and wondering, why are, you, why, why are you here? Why did God put me here? Why am I here in this church? You might be bored with your life. You might, you might be caught up in the mundane things of life where every day you do the same thing over and over again, and it just seems like your life has no purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, pick up the Word of God. Start to read it. Start to understand that the world in which we live is lost, that we have the solution which is in Jesus Christ, and that he has commissioned us to take the gospel, as you anchor yourself to the word of God, you will actually start to hear the heart of God, and you will understand that he has commissioned all of us right there in Matthew 28 to be a part of a global outreach plan, whether you're 12, whether you're 72, whether you're in the masses, or one-on-one, the Lord has one word for you, and the word is go. Go, 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 go. And the, and the last thing you'll see, oh, this, don't, don't leave me yet, is this, this celebration. You're going to see that. The sheer joy, the ecstatic celebration, the party of all parties, when one person comes to know Jesus Christ. If you flip over to Luke 15, there's three stories in one chapter. It's the story of the lost sheep, story of the lost coin, and story of a lost boy. And in those three stories, the Bible talks about the rejoicing when one person comes to know Jesus Christ. I want to read you the last verse of each of those stories. After the lost sheep is found, after the lost coin is found, after the lost son is found. Verse 7 Jesus says, I tell you in the same way. I want you to say same way. In the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Verse 10, 
In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I love verse 32 that says, the dad says, we we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is now found. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 7 that one day there'll be a celebration of all celebrations where people will come from every tribe and every tongue and every language. You imagine the celebration in heaven when one person comes to put faith in Christ. Imagine the celebration that's going to happen on that day when Christians around the world are finally gathered at the throne of God. And we have before us the greatest story, the greatest message, the only solution for the sins of the world. Shouldn't you and I take this and travel the world to every nation, every language, every tongue to share the gospel, something that transforms a heart for all of eternity? And all dance and praise in the Bible Proper dance and proper praise, it's all a result of a heart that's just overflowing with joy. That's what praise, that's what dance, the Bible talks about dancing. It's an overflow of someone's heart who's right before God, where you can't even contain yourself. And I say as a church, why don't we do everything within our power to take this book and to share it with the world and give people a real reason to jump and shout and dance and to praise God. Let's bow our heads for just a word of prayer. God has promised us that if we seek Him with all our hearts, we will find Him. That is found in Jeremiah 29. He's not eager for anyone to perish. That's in 2 Peter. And Romans 10 tells us there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We do not know how God deals with those who die before they get a chance to hear the gospel, but we do know from Scripture it's our duty to go and share the good news with as many as we can. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing. Rediscover a simpler faith in our complicated world. 
In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.